right, welcome back everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I am excited once again to share an amazing person with you today. Her name is Emily Vasica. Uh, very cool last name. We were just talking about that, so welcome. Thanks. Yeah, I'm so excited for you guys to hear her story. I do need to give uh, some props again and a shout out to our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you again for believing in me and helping me have this platform to bring amazing people like Emily on to share their stories of trial and triumph and you know struggles and then overcoming it and then you know, even dealing with it with their own families and this and that. But uh, you guys will be inspired by her story today. I've known Emily for and her family for, geez, 25 years, if not longer, right? Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been a long time. Uh, she grew up in the neighborhood, uh, just, you know, in our same neighborhood um, over uh, in Sandy, in the Sandy area. And I got to work with some of her brothers. Uh, I was one of their leaders. And, uh, know her mom and dad. I love them to death. Great people. Emily's no different, but she has a story where she um, had to go through some very, very difficult times, which we'll get to in a minute, but I'm just excited for for her to be on. Um, She is the mother of four beautiful kids and married to her sweetheart for almost 20 years this March. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? This March coming up. Um, She's a a faithful member of her church, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, again, has a great family where she grew up with. Um, she uh, always she talks about how her story has an amazing story, but it's never finished. None of them are. Yep. It's ongoing. We're still writing chapters of that book. And I can't wait to kind of catch up and hear that part as well. So, <laughs> Emily, why don't you give us a little background of, you know, about your family and growing up? So growing up, oh, probably about four, we moved over into Sandy where we knew you. <clears throat> and we just we were just kind of the normal family sure I mean, we went camping and out anything outdoors and family vacations and went to church every sunday and i mean we were pretty laid back low-key yeah. all my family got along tons of family throughout utah so just pretty right. chill how were you as a child were you like uh were you outgoing <laughs> were you quiet were you uh, I think ever since I was born, I <laughs> gave my parents a run for their money. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, my mom always talks about a time she knew she was in trouble when I was little. I disappeared and she found me sitting on this great big guy's lap in a shoe store. And he just looked around like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And right. she kind of knew then she was in trouble. Yeah. So you're kind of outgoing, yeah. kind of rambunctious mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, from from what I remember of you, you just seemed determined. Is that yeah. a good way to say it? Stubborn, I would say. <laughs> stubborn. Yeah. Stubborn. I'm going to say determined, though. Okay. But uh, stubborn, yeah, I get what you're, what you're saying. But you just seemed so determined. You knew what you wanted. You didn't want anyone telling you what to do. Yep. Get out of my way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that pretty accurate, you pretty think? Pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. So... How many siblings do you have? So I have three younger brothers. I'm the oldest and the only girl. Okay. How was that being the only girl with three younger, you know, Um, rambunctious boys as well? (laughs) Well, I kind of, I was the guinea pig, you know, and the only girl too. Yeah. And my brothers and I usually got along, but sometimes I wasn't very nice to them. So, but most of the time we got along. Yeah. So, So, but was it hard? You know, I hear sometimes... 
you know, even with some of my clients being the oldest, sometimes a lot of pressure. That yeah. kind of, Did you feel any of that? Yeah, I think so. And I think, too, my parents looked at things a little bit differently with me being the first. Kind of the standard of um, judging book by its cover. Like, I felt like I grew up being raised where you hung out with the person that maybe was of your faith and things like that. And by the time I went through my stuff, they realized, oh, we just, let's have our kids be around anyone, just great people, didn't matter, you know? So I kind of feel like I was definitely the guinea pig there and I broke them in on, you know. Like what really matters right now in the moment kind of thing. Yeah. Just hopefully they're doing good, they're safe. Right. They're being good people. Yeah, and that my parents are awesome. I just, you know, you... As a parent, you just want the best for your kids right. and you think you know what it is and then your first kid helps you realize you don't know. <laughs> and that's what I did for them. Right. <laughs> yes, you did. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Let's get into that because, you know, you have, you know, there was a time where you got caught up in some things, which I want you to talk about. And, you know, you there was something that I think that most families actually at this, unfortunately, at this time deal with. You know, and it's it's around addiction, it's around drug abuse, alcohol mm-hmm. abuse, all of that, among other things. So let's tell tell us about you know, as you as you got you know went through junior high and high school, and then kind of how you led up into what you got caught up in, and then kind of go from there. Well, mine actually started more at the time of around seven. Okay. So I was being, you can't say molested or anything like that but i use the term assaulted okay by the neighborhood boys okay um and so things for me started spiraling by probably seven and because i remember even being eight and going to get baptized and even then i thought this is all a bunch of garbage Mm. the church is garbage teachers are liars i mean that was my thinking when i got baptized and i remember that so clearly yeah and these neighbors, they would, one time, for example, they, and they were young, probably ranged from ages of six to 13, I think at the time, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember everyone's ages, but yeah. like one time they pinned me to the ground and they ripped open my shirt, took turns, you know, copying a fill basically and yeah. sticking their tongues down my throat. Oh, wow. And this was like how it kind of, you know, another time, and I kept going over there too, by the way, because I, I remember thinking you're told to tell your parents if an adult does something to you. Right. But I wasn't, I was never told to say anything if it, if it was kids. Yeah. So I remember thinking all the time, I must have done something to egg it on. Mm. So little things like that would happen. So I don't say I was molested, but I would, I tell people I, I was a sexually assaulted, sexually assault. I guess, gotcha. is the right word. Yeah, well, as kids, too, we're very literal. So when it's like, hey, when an adult does this, yeah. so literally you just go, okay, if it's an adult, I'll say something. Yeah. And like you just, yeah, but, you know, here it is. It's the neighborhood kids. kids. Some of them you're same age. You're, yep. you're just like, well, this is just. Yeah. And know. so I just didn't feel like I should tell my parents I was afraid I'd get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. I probably did something to egg it on. Because like I said, it didn't happen all the time, but it just happened once in a while, little things like that. Right. Um, anyway, so because of that, I 
I was already a mess, you know, by seven or eight. And so come like 10, my mouth was worse than a sailor. Mm -hmm. I I didn't believe in the church at all because I remember thinking I didn't do anything wrong and this stuff keeps happening. And by that point, I was already so angry. I hated adults. I was swearing at teachers. I mean, by 10, I was just mean. I was, I was the bully. Mm. I was the bully in school. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of just spiraled from there. And somehow friend wise, I started flocking to unknowingly. I didn't know their stories. And yet somehow I kept flocking to people. Connecting with some more people on your same, Mm -hmm. you know, energy. Yeah. And had had similar or worse things done to them. And you don't even know that about each other. And yet somehow... I always flocked to those people. And as even at, even by 10, and as I get to know them, I find out about them. And it was like, oh, yeah. me too. Let me tell you, you know. Interesting. So it, it was interesting how that happened. Um, and then probably by 12 is when I would do the silly things like sniffing rubber cement. Mm-hmm. And I remember crushing up Tylenol and snorting Tylenol. At 12. At 12, wow. Yeah, and I got like this little five-minute buzz and then nothing. Right. Which I learned later was apparently really dangerous. <laughs> Very dangerous, yeah. Were you doing this alone at this point? No, or it you was doing with a, the friends was that the, I was... The same friends. Yep. Yeah, yeah we just kind of all realized we were yeah. like the bad kid, right. you know, and got into trouble together. And so, yeah, by 12, I was already doing stuff like that. Wow. Um. I remember at 12, I remember, so by that point, the the neighborhood boys had stopped doing what was going on. Mm -hmm. I was older now and was able to fend for myself more and they grew up more and they, I have to say they weren't, they weren't bad people, right? but they were allowed to look at pornography and stuff, mag, the magazines back then, right? Yeah, it was all magazines back then, yeah. And I just, how could that not mess with your head? Yeah, you know, right. and some of them, I still communicate with time to time. I've forgiven them. I get that they were just hormonal teenagers. They, they aren't bad people. They weren't. Right. <clears throat> um, anyway, so moving along, still continuing to talk to these same guys, but like even by 13, I would tell them like that my future career path was going to be a prostitute. Like, I remember thinking so little of myself that I just knew that was the way I needed to go. By 12, I thought that. Um, Did your parents know at this time that you're kind of this, that type of, you know, mentality going on? They knew I was like a trouble kid. Right. I was mouthy, so disrespectful. Yeah. Always finding things to just Mm -hmm. irritate them, you know. But as far as like what was going through my head and what went on with the neighborhood boys, they had no clue. Right. Well, I want to point one thing out as, and then I want to continue. This is um, really, really good, Emily. Thank you for sharing. Um, is anger is a secondary emotion. Mm-hmm. It's a defense mechanism. Yeah. And whenever someone like a child is angry, mm-hmm. it's it's masking two emotions, hurt and fear. And I want I'm saying this more for our listeners yeah, no. that. 
you know, when we're hurting and we're scared of something, we get angry as a defense mechanism and we project it onto someone else, whether it's parents, a friend, a teacher, or ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I just want to point that out to the listeners. And so that's what I'm hearing is you went through that being sexually assaulted. You were hurt. Mm -hmm. That's scary. That's not, I mean, a kid's that age shouldn't have to go through something like that. And so I think the way you were dealing with it is you were acting out in anger, you know, Mm -hmm. mouthy, defiant, Mm -hmm. you know, like again, we stubborn, determined, whatever, doing your own thing. No one can tell me what to do. But I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. No, I, and I totally agree. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing that started when I was 12 or 13 years old was the cutting. I was cutting everywhere. My legs, my arms, my, my chest, my stomach. It didn't matter. Pen lid was the normal. Yeah. Um, and I would just sit and just cut with my friends. We'd have like cutting parties. I mean, we'd be in a room wow. together and just cutting and talking yeah. about what we were mad about or upset about or how how good it felt. Because yeah. it releases the, what is it, endorphins? Is that the right word? Yeah, because you're, 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 you have so much uh, emotional pain yeah. that the cutting, it the physical good. pain yeah. feels better mm-hmm. than the emotional pain. That's yeah. why it feels good. People are, you know, I'm glad you point that out as people are probably wondering, why do people cut? Yeah. Why would they do that? It feels good, which is so weird. Yeah. But in a way it does. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're having so, parties doing that. Yeah. Did your, again, do your parents know you're cutting? You hid that from them as well? Mm-hmm. And, yep. I okay. made sure to do it where clothes would cover right. it. And mm-hmm. yeah. so, yeah. Um, so this continues, obviously, mm-hmm. you're. You're doing more, you know, maybe risky behaviors and things like mm-hmm. that. And, yeah. You know, um, 13 and 14, well, that's junior high still. So kind of go from there and let's just kind of move forward. So, gosh, so the next chapter probably kicks in. Well, not probably. Yeah, it kicks in at, I mean, I was seeing lots of boys, of course, bad boys, mm-hmm. but hadn't really done anything crazy past what I was already doing. And then I met um, Andy and everything just went AWOL from there. Yeah. Talk Um, about that. Yeah. So I met him in ninth grade and he was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I met him skating Mm -hmm. and I knew immediately he was a, a rougher kid. Which, of course, attracted me to him. Right. Which is so ironic considering what happened in the past. You would think you would be attracted to the opposite. Yeah. But you're not. And I think it's because you only feel worthy of the tough bad boy. Yep. So anyway, he came into my life and we hit it off that night. And I would say within days we were officially boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Um... I don't even know where there's so much that goes with the rest now. Yeah. Well, just kind of talk about what, you know, the progression of how your life started to kind of unravel. Okay. So I know there's a lot there, but there is, (laughs) um, he was so handsome and so flattering and Mm -hmm. so good with his words. And I mean, I was hooked just completely hooked from yeah. day one. Right. And a few months into us being together, the first little red flag came. And he, I had think I called myself ugly. I did. I called myself ugly. And he kicked me in the shin. 
And I remember my eyes getting huge. And I remember running down his stairs and for the front door mm. to leave. Yeah. And he stopped me and he started crying. And he's like, and I was just shocked of what just happened. And I'm yeah. like, I got to get out of here. But he started crying. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. If you just hadn't said that, it wouldn't have happened. And yeah. like the typical people like me, we fall for that. Yeah. And so, of course, I stayed and everything was okay after that. And nothing else happened for a while. And he continued to be this great boyfriend. Um, but there were little things here here and there. And we would fight. We started fighting more and more all the time. Right. Um, and I kept having people come up to me and telling me, hey, did you know your boyfriend's name is Tweaker? And I'm like, whatever. So now, I, by the way, I'm now starting 10th grade. He came into the picture at the end of ninth grade. Okay. So I'm now starting 10th grade. We'd been together for a while, a few months now, and just always together. And these people would start coming up to me in, in the halls. Your boyfriend's name is Tweaker. And I had no idea what they were talking about. And then things started getting really crazy with Andy. And he started getting more aggressive, um, angrier. But, but And we would fight all the time and we would break up. And he'd start threatening me with suicide. Mm. And he'd tell I me. I remember that. Yeah, all that. the time. Yeah. And he would tell me, if you break up with me, I'll kill myself. Or he would, I, you had pagers back then. Yeah. <laughs> and he would page codes. And I knew the, how to break the code. Right. I'm going to kill myself. If you don't come over here, I'm going to kill myself. So I would always go back. Yeah. One time I remember, um, and this is when I started smoking. He, and I was still hanging out with the same crowd. They were all drinking and smoking. I wasn't yet. Um, but Andy told me that if I didn't make it, make up with him, that he had a gun to his head and he was going to shoot himself shoot in the head. Himself, he used yeah. a different phrase, but yeah, I don't need to re-say it. So I, I, of course, went over and made up with him immediately and begged him not to do it. And... That night, my nurse were so shot and dragging state was still a thing back then. <laughs> and yeah. when I left him, my friend and I went and dragged state and my, I, my nerves were so shot and I was just sit, shaking and bawling. And yeah. she's like, you just need to try a cigarette. It'll calm your nerves. Yeah. So I tried a cigarette at like whatever, whatever time that night. And by the end of the night, I had had at least an entire pack by myself. They went out the next one in. Right. I mean, I didn't stop. Right. And that was my first time smoking. Jeez. So the drinking also started pretty quick around that time. Um, it may have been right before or it was right after, but then I started drinking. So now I'm drinking and now I'm smoking. And it just kind of all happened within like a week of each. It just was so fast. So I was drinking and smoking um, and just kind of numbing things, you know but still with with him and more aggressive things started happening um pushing shoving mm. um yeah. always the threats of suicide uh every as a way to just keep reeling you in yeah, as a, it was always. a manipulation at the time to yeah. just yeah. have you come running back kind of mm -hmm. thing yeah and so uh, this went on for a while and then I don't remember how I found out, but I was at a party with all my friends and come to find out I'm the only one going to bed at this party and they're all still up partying. And I found out that night that all of my friends are actually using something called crystal meth. 
and that Andy actually had been using it the whole time I knew him. And that's what everyone was talking about, oh, by okay. the way, with the tweaker. The tweaker, yeah. And somehow the whole world knew and I didn't. But I found out about it this night. And so they're all tell some are telling me to do it and some are telling me don't do it. You'll never be able to stop. And so I didn't do it that night. But it was like, I don't know, 24, 48 hours later yeah. when I was like, okay, I want to try it. Because they now are openly using it in front of me. There's no reason to hide it now. Yeah, because now you know. Because now I know and yeah. I'm not the only one going to bed unknowing what's happening at these parties. So um, anyway, so I've, I tried to talk him into giving it to me. Andy said if I tried it once, he would quit. Just try it one time. You can't knock it till you try it. If you just try it one time, yeah. then I'll quit. And most everyone around me was like, there's no way you're going to be able to quit. But Andy's like, yeah, you will. You will. So I'm like, I, no, I'll try. I'll just try it one time. Yeah. Well, so my husband today is the one that came over and he had a meth in a capsule. He was the dealer. He was the dealer. <laughs> And he gave it to me. By the way, I didn't like this guy very much. Right. At the time, I thought he was a jerk, Travis. Right. So he gives me these capsules. I take them. And everyone was like, what are you doing? Except, of course, Andy and maybe a couple others. Right. Like, yeah, cool. So I took it. I didn't feel like anything was happening. So we had him come back. And this time I snorted a line. Mm. And that was it. Yeah. It was just over. There was no once every couple months. You're like, I'm It was in. like the smoking and yeah. the drinking just always, 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 always. I was taking bottles of vodka to school in my water bottle and drinking it in class. Yeah. I mean, I there yeah. was no in um, what, moderation. No moderation. <laughs> no moderation. All or nothing, right? All You're or nothing. all in. Yep. Yeah. And so that's how the meth addiction started. Man. And that's how I, I mean, I kind of knew Trav before, um, but that was my first real encounter with Travis. Okay. And so then the meth this, and everything else was just crazy. 24-7 partying. School I'd already kind of dropped out of anyway, but for sure it's yeah. over now because all I want to do is drink, smoke, and yeah. do drugs. And I do want to point out you're you're married to him now. I Yeah, so the first right. drug dealer is still currently my husband. Yeah, 20 which is later. an amazing story in itself. And I just want to point that out. <laughs> it's the, probably one of the rarest things in the world. Yeah. But I just want to point that out. And we'll get to that in a yeah. minute. But so so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yep, crazy. It so, is crazy. <laughs> okay, so let's see. So all the partying's going on. Mm-hmm. Andy and I, things are getting more aggressive. I'm now kind of to the point, too, where I'm almost calling him on and egging him on, you know, Andy. Just, yeah. we're, it's just so toxic. We were so, so toxic for each other. And we got into a huge fight and broke up again. Mm-hmm. And um, ended up getting back together again. Right. And it was quickly after that that we were down in a friend's house and he hit me in the face with a pool ball. He didn't throw oh. it like it was in his hand. Oh, wow. And he like punched, punched me in you. the face with a pool ball. Um, so I broke up with him again. <laughs> right. Right then I went and stayed at a friend's house and her mom put an ice pack on. Um, 
at this point, my parents know I'm a total mess. They know there's yeah. major problems. I've been locked out of the house a few times, rightfully so, because I was such a mess. Sure. I mean, they said, you're home by this time or we're just locking the door because they had to find a way to live in peace, right? Right, yeah. So at this point, they still don't know about the initial, how everything began, but they know that I'm just a mess. Yeah. Um, at one point, Andy came over before the pool ball incident. Um, gosh, I had to have been right before. Mm-hmm. He came over and I... He threatened suicide again. He came over and stabbed a stuffed animal that I gave him and ripped it open and threw Uh it at me and then told me he hoped I would die. Um, I'm just trying to remember all of this, how this all played out. Sure. But I remember I went out my window for whatever reason and he followed me and I ran and I passed out. And my, he picked me up and carried me back to my parents and I went into my, he brought me to them and they were like, you need to leave. So he left and they said to me, what is wrong with you? What is happening to you? And when you're on that kind of stuff, you tend to be super honest. Oh yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I've been using crystal meth. <laughs> Just openly said it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where they're, they have the whole nother part, you know, that's when they started looking into rehab. That's and when their world again yeah, got turned upside down. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was already a mess, but, but that's when but they were like, we've got to put her somewhere. Yeah. So anyway, so all this is going on all at the same time. Um, so he hit me with the pool ball and I broke it off. And this time I said to him, it's official. I don't care if you kill yourself. I don't care if you do any mm. of that, I'm done. You're done hitting me. You're done kicking me. You're done pushing me. I'm finished yeah. with you. Well, so that night, I now have officially <laughs> hooked up with Travis. Mm. I mean, you know, you just right. move along you in the drug m- world. Right. Yeah. You don't feel much, right? right? No m- yeah. remorse. And so Travis and I are now hooked up that night or the next night. I can't quite remember how it played out right um and andy tried to get in contact with me a few days later and and i wouldn't do it and at this point by the way we've now we're now having thanksgiving in this week span and i ended up going to thanksgiving with trav and he may have come to mine um andy was history as far as i was concerned yeah and um, he tried to get in touch with me the last day of November or December 1st. And I, I wouldn't because as far as I was concerned, I was done with him. And I'm now with my drug dealer. Right. <laughs> so it was over. And at that point, we had been together, Andy and I, almost a year and eight months. And so then December 2nd comes. Well, no, I got it back. So December 1st, the night of December 1st, I hear this bang on my window. Um, But I had the strangest feeling not to get the window. Mm. And so I didn't. And this calming sensation came over to me and I fell asleep. And that was not normal for me. Right. Because back then, if I heard a noise at the window, I was out. I knew someone was there. Exactly, yeah. But I didn't feel that this time. And I remember saying out loud, which is crazy because I didn't pray. I didn't believe in God anymore or I didn't think I did. Right. But I remember saying, Heavenly Father, help Andy to be okay. 
where that came from, I don't know. Yeah. And then I fell asleep. So December 2nd rolls around and I go to school. And I remember at 8.15, I'll never forget it, losing my voice. I was bashing Andy. I was actually having him set up to be beat up Mm. at that time. Wow. For everything he'd done, I'd had enough. And I wanted him to pay for what he'd done to me. Yeah. Physically. Um, and And really emotionally, mentally, all of the above. Right. And I was ready to get him back. And so in that moment, I am sitting there bashing him and saying what I had to say. And I lost my voice. I didn't think anything of it, but I lost my voice for a couple minutes, Mm -hmm. like five minutes. And then I got it back. And then I continued. Mm. And if I remember, it was about 8.13 or 8.15, somewhere right in that window. Because I remember looking at the clock. And so school gets out. Everything's set in motion for that night. Mm. I go home. And as soon as I'm home, I get a knock on the door, open the door, and there's two detectives at my door. Mm. Instantly, I think, oh, my gosh, what has Andy said? I am in trouble. Right. And because he was always threatening with one sure. thing or another. Right. So I thought, you know. So they come in, my and my mom and is there, and they come in, and they tell me, or she may not have even been there yet. Oh, heavens. Anyway, right. they came in. And they told me, we need to talk. No, she was there. They said, are you Emily Vasca? And I said, yes. My mom's like, yes. And they said, we got to tell you something. Uh, Andy Gates has killed himself. And I just I just dropped yeah. to the ground. My, I lost my breath. I couldn't, I mean, nothing. I just dropped to the ground and, and bawled. And, was, and wow. I was shocked, really. Right. I just lost. I just went numb. Sure. And they're telling us what happened. And they said at 8.15, Andy passed away. Or at least that's the window they had because right. that's when he was found. Right. Okay. And I remember thinking, that's when I lost my voice this morning while I was bashing him. I don't know if the two go hand in hand. I'm but sure it, many people will say I'm crazy. <laughs> but for me, yeah. it was like, that is when I lost my voice. Yeah. So um, he took his life in our makeout spot. Pictures of him and I everywhere in the car. And mm-hmm. three letters. One to his best friend, one to his parents, and one to me. Um, clearly letting me know this was my fault. Wow. wow. So... I, yeah, I, it just went numb from there. Um, We had the funeral. I remember the night before the viewing, making a poster of of him and all of his friends and I Mm -hmm. for the viewing. Right. Um, And I remember crying myself to sleep and I remember feeling arms wrap around me. And, And I had this just calming feeling. I later found out his best friend, same night, probably around the same time because we were describing it to each other, mm-hmm. felt the exact same thing. Wow. And he fell asleep and I fell asleep. It's amazing. Um, the funeral was the next day. I almost missed it. All my friends had left me. They thought I was gone and I was down. As I had cried myself to sleep again. Okay. Um, 
And one of my friends realized that I wasn't there and came and woke me up and took me. So I was the last one to the funeral because they all thought, assumed I had left. And I almost, so I almost missed it. Um, Man. So the funeral happened and, you know, it's crazy. Jumping back, there's something that I don't talk about very often um, because it's so dark. But Andy and I and a few friends, we played the Ouija board mm-hmm. a lot. Right. And at the time, um, oh, so at the time I had, because of everything Andy and I had gone through, I had, every time we broke up, cheated on him. Right. Well, this board told him that at our, the last time we played. And it also told me that Andy was going to try to kill me. And it would kill him. He would kill himself before the end of December. Wow. Again, people are going to say I'm crazy, but I I have friends that were there. I'm not yeah. crazy. Right. And he, we don't know if he came to my window that night and what his intentions were. The police did find a rope, um, like a noose. Not sure what that was yeah. for. He came to my window the night before. A friend placed his car at that same spot in the park the night before, but he wasn't in it. Wasn't there. Yeah. And so as everyone's kind of telling their stories of what they knew or saw that week, all these things kind of added up. So they're pretty sure, the police were pretty sure, yeah. Andy came to my, that was him at my window that, that, was night. that night. We And who knows? Right. So he took his life that morning, and then I went to the funeral, and then that night, my parents cornered me yeah. and shipped me off to rehab. Yeah. I, re- so, I remember that. I do. I remember yeah. that part. Yeah. Just and hearing that in the neighborhood, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Everyone knew that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> rehab, I was there five and a half months. Um, the best thing about it was my parents knew where I was, and I was safe. Yep. Um, it was good. I got caught back up in school. There was so much drugs and sex going on at my rehab. Tons. Jeez. I, the, the worst I ever had was I had cigarettes in my hand and I ended up going and taking him to the principal and showing him I had him. Cause I'm like, I got to get out of here. I have got to get out of this place. So I didn't, I didn't do anything that I wasn't supposed to. And I moved up pretty quick. Okay. But I kind of knew how to play the game to right. get out of there. Right. So five and a half months later, I finally got out. Well, like most teenagers, unfortunately, who go to rehab, not very many of us stay clean. Right. It's true. All my friends, every single one of them, we continue to relapse, which is really unfortunate, but that's how it is. Yeah. So I relapsed, went right back to crystal meth. Really, the motivation then was I'd gained so much weight because when I went into rehab, I was about 80 pounds. Jeez. I was pure. I was disgusting. Just bone. So they, of course, try to undo that. But then my addiction became food, you know. Yeah, you just switched it to something else. Right. And yep. so I came out and I was like, I was told I was pleasantly plump. That was the end of that. I, You're like. I got right back on the meth. Yep. Yeah. Lost the weight. And. And then the well, story just continued. You, which is unfortunate. You go to rehab for five and a half months or mm-hmm. so. 
what what rehab's supposed to do, or at least if the person's willing to work through it, is yeah. to change that addictive mindset, that yeah. belief system. Mm-hmm. That because again, you just skip to go from one addiction to another one to another one to mm-hmm. another one because you're still in that addictive mindset. Yeah. And so unfortunately, that didn't happen, and not no fault of the the rehabs. Um, I think it really comes down to I really believe you can go to the worst treatment center on the planet if you want it, you'll right. get it. Right. Right. And go to I the was best. forced in. Yeah. There. And you yeah. were forced in. Really and they, want again, it. that's what my parents needed to do. Yeah. It kept me safe. They knew where For I was. Sure. You know, so they did the right thing. But Absolutely. as far as my attitude, it was. I now have a death on my head. Yeah. I just need to get out of here. Just need to get out, yeah. And and so I played the game and got out. Yeah. I knew what they wanted to hear, so I said it. I knew what I needed to do, and yeah. I did it, and I got out. Yeah. And so it was, you know, so I, now, so I was doomed to go back anyway. Right, yeah. So, so now you're back on crystal meth, yeah. going hard again. Yeah, now cocaine's involved, and so now I'm just kind of doing everything I can, mm-hmm. whatever I can get my hands on. Right. I'm doing, and Trav and I somehow still ended up together. Um, so we were dating. We broke up off and on constantly. Yeah. But we still continued to stay together. Um, I mean that at that point it was just a world of living in the drug world. You know. Right. You're surrounded by people loaded with every kind of gun possible. You're robbing garages and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always stealing anyway from stores and stuff. I stole everything, but now I'm involved in, in being the, I'm the getaway driver. They'd never let me do anything else. So I was yeah. always the driver for robbing people's wow. garages. And yeah. I mean, it was just so bad, you know, I finally, um, there was a point where I can't even remember why my dad decided to take my car but at that point, I mean, I think I used meth every second for two weeks straight. I know I had blackouts. I don't yeah. remember a whole lot. But I remember going to the house. Um, I always broke in. If they locked me out, I'd just break in. It you was, forgot to break in. I knew how to break in the house. So I went to my house for whatever reason this time, and I was in the kitchen. My dad wanted to take the car. I know it was because of all the problems there was. Right. Yeah. And I think it was a discipline thing. And I like lost it. And I remember grabbing a knife and going. So my dad's out by the car and I took the knife and I went out to my dad. And I swear I had an outer body experience because I Mm -hmm. can remember seeing the front of me come out the door. So by the time I got to my dad, though, that wasn't the case. But I, I, I mean, I remember how I looked front view. It was like. I really, people say they lost their soul and I feel like that was the moment where I lost my soul and I went over and I stabbed, tried, sorry, I I tried to stab my dad in the wrist and I missed him by a second. He moved just fast enough that I didn't get him Right. and I got in my car and I drove away and of course he called the police, which he should have. Right. And he just wanted to make sure I was fine. But, you know, I finally called the cops back. I knew they were looking for me. I'm like, I'm fine. Leave me alone. And that was the end of that. And I cut him off. Um, At that point, I don't remember when, but I came back knowing I'd be locked out. And all my stuff, I broke in and all my stuff was packed. Mm. 
And so I knew that that yeah. was it. That I was wasn't it. welcome back. Yeah. So I got it and I put it in my car and I left. Oh. Wow. And I moved in with my new drug dealer because Trav and I probably were broken up at the time. Who knows? We were constantly breaking up. Right. But I moved in with my new dealer and that was an interesting situation. He was crazy, had mm -hmm. guns everywhere and he was crazy. Um, and so I lived with him and Trav Which, and by I, the way, so were you. <clears throat> At the time. Oh, I was nuts. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Go like, ahead and say, I was. No, I'm just saying, let's be I real was a here. Mess. Yeah. Yeah. It, because like attracts like. Right. You were on no, this no, crazy I, path, yes. so crazy fit with you. Well, and like I said, I really felt like I lost. Yeah. After what I did to my dad, my soul was just gone. I was wow. already such a mess. Wow. But at that point, it was like. That was, yeah. I didn't even care. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I remember thinking and plotting things that were just horrendous. So, yes, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. th there's no question I was such a mess. Yeah. So. Just awful. Um, so when I was living with my dealer, all, uh, Trav and I were, again, off and on, off and on. I found out that I was, well, so my, Travis, my husband, Trav got sent to rehab court ordered. He'd been caught stealing and all right. kinds of stuff. And they were like, jail or rehab? Which right. one? Take your pick. So he's like, well, rehab. Right. So he goes to rehab and I'm still using and something just isn't right. And then, you know, lady days didn't show up. I'm like, something's definitely going on here. Yeah. So my friend stole a drug or a drug test, a pregnancy test for me from the store. And I took it and both lines were there. Wow. So I'm now pregnant and the father is in rehab and I'm living with my drug dealer. But as far as I was concerned, I was probably going to keep using. He's in rehab and an idiot anyway was my mentality. We right. were, I mean, we're such an on and off thing. And <clears throat> I let this uh, dealer friend of mine take my car and he got in a huge wreck, just demolished my car and I got mad at him for it. And the next thing I know is he's threatening to kill me and my unborn child, um, letting me know he's going to cut the child out and kill it. So that's when I got back in touch with my parents. Okay. And so I told them what was going on, that I was pregnant. My Here's what my dealer just said. And... I, my mom would have to tell you her side, but I don't know what I said or what I did. There was something that she agreed to allow me back in the house. But with the intent, I think, of her planning to take that baby because right. she I was such a mess. Sure, right. You know? Um, but somewhere really quickly, I decided I needed to, I needed to change. And I was debating on um, adoption. I knew that abortion wasn't an option for me, although I had many, many people close to us telling me just to do that. That yeah. was the easiest route. But that just was not an option. Yeah. So I thought yeah. adoption is the next possibility. Right. Um, and then I did adoption agency actually pissed me off. <laughs> so I'm like, fine, I'll keep it. 
Like that was my mentality, which wow. goes back to how crazy my thinking was. Right, oh, right. you're going to be a jerk? Fine, I'll keep this I'll kid. I'll keep it, yeah. <laughs> so, so that is what happened. Oh, and that's when I decided, okay, I got to yeah. I gotta change things. And the last time I used drugs was Memorial Day when I was pregnant. So this coming Memorial Day will be... 21 years sober from powders, I, I would say. Right. The alcohol and the smoking kept going off and on for a while. Yeah. But all the drugs ended that day. Wow. So I, I had cocaine in a cigarette. Um, and after was like, what am I doing? And, and I was like, I'm done. And I stopped. Just stopped. Just stopped. Yeah. I hear this so often. When, even with addiction where like you you just got to that point where you're like what am i doing and you're just like i'm done yeah i hear this so often and it really reminds me of the power of that inner decision mm-hmm. no one could have made you've done that nope. you were defiant no one's going to tell you what to do yeah you're, you you're gonna piss me off i'm keeping the baby <laughs> right <laughs> but i love that i'm glad you point that out and, and congratulations by the way thank you that is I mean, if people people who don't know you hearing this story, they're gonna when they see your picture, they're gonna go, "That was the girl." <laughs> I mean, you're just this beautiful, innocent-looking, just amazing person. Mm-hmm. But when they hear what you've gone through, it's gonna blow them away, you know, kind of thing. So, but I want to point that out. To, but I also wanted to say congratulations. That's amazing. Well, thank you. You know, so so you make this decision. I'm not going to do this anymore. And let's kind of jump ahead just a little bit. I know you got a lot of your, I mean, your story is unbelievable. Well, no, jump ahead. Go ahead. But just, you know, so was that when things, I mean, obviously things are starting to change and you're starting to look at life maybe a little differently. And let's just talk about how you got to where you are today. Because today, man, you're the strong mom who's trying to do the right thing. You're, you're a loud voice, you know, championing people, including your own children, to doing the right thing. Talk about how, how did you get here? Well, there's no question, and we've told Tanner, both Trav and I, but over and over again, you were our guardian angel, mm-hmm. my my oldest. Yeah. And Who he was, was the, my guardian with. angel. Yeah. My mom will tell people, you would never think your daughter getting pregnant was an answer to a prayer. Tanner was that answer. There's no question. Yeah. And it was enough for me. Right. As far as like, honest, like where I am today... I still, I still kept drinking and I still kept smoking, but it was usually just when I was mad. I knew right. it needed to stop. Right. I did not want that life for my son. Sure. But anytime I'd get mad, I'd go, you know, secretly drink right. wherever with Trav or I would secretly this or whatever. Um, so that took a, a couple more years to stop that. Um, Trav and I, we had, so he went through rehab. Um, we didn't really speak again till he got out of rehab and started using immediately. And so I kind of cut him off. His dad actually tried to talk me into taking him back. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm done with that life. And he's a mess. So we ran into each other a couple months later and I was very pregnant at that point and decided to try and work things out Mm -hmm. and of course you know he had me convinced he was going to be better or was doing better yeah um 
and he was eating and sleeping and those were usually the main cues so I'm like maybe he is really bitter so we we got together and we were living together when we had Tanner and then like four months later we have the most pathetic engagement story ever (laughs) so we're living together and everyone already been trying to tell us to get married get married and I'm like no I need to make sure I can even tolerate this guy before I marry him with a baby right sure so four months go by and we have this baby and my mom's like, are you ready? So I hang up and I'm like, my mom wants to know if we're ready to get married yet. And he's like, I don't know. I said, well, we've had the baby four months and we're still together. So I guess that's a good, I, it means it'll be all right. It's a good sign so far. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, all right. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I called back. All right, fine. We'll get married. <laughs> like that was our that was awesome it. story, you know? So we're planning our wedding and everything and come I find out um, that he is still using. He's still been using meth and everything with, with friends and coworkers. And so then everything blows up and I don't think we're getting married. But then we're like, oh, well, okay. And he's like, I'm going to get better. So we got married. And his story continues for another eight years. Mm-hmm. So the first eight years of our marriage was me fighting his addictions and raising, raising two babies. Two babies now, yeah. So a second baby comes in a couple of years later. And when the second baby came in when she was a year, that's when I was like, I, something's got to give. We had the first four years of our marriage, we had separated. Um, t- let me think. Eleven times the first four years of our marriage. <laughs> so much addiction mm, still on his right. end. He had... St- he definitely had a harder time than I did. I made mm-hmm. a decision and I was done. Then with the smoking and the drinking, so after that four years, I decided to go back to church for the kids. And right. my mom was like, yay, you know. Right, and sure. I was like, I didn't say I was going to quit drinking. I didn't say I was going to quit smoking. I'm just coming back to church for my kids' sake. Like right. I still had yeah. that attitude, you know. Yep. She's like, I didn't say anything. I'm like, but I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it. So here's, I'm going to set it straight. So he and I at that point had separated. And this time it was for five and a half weeks. It was the longest separation. I started going back to church and it was so fast. Yeah. That things started changing in my thinking, my attitude, spiritually. Mm -hmm. It happened fast. Yeah. It took that separation though. It had to happen. Sure. It had to happen. What allowed you to maybe even focus more on what you were doing at that moment, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. And at the same time, I was like, I'm done drinking and smoking. No more. So I was done. Wow. And so then he's like, I want to get back together. We need to get back together. And at this point, we're seeing our marriage counselor again. Yeah. And she's like, here's the guidelines to make this work. So Mm -hmm. we followed those. And the stipulations were he didn't want any more kids and I was going to keep going to church and he had to support me and the kids going to church. And we were both like, agreed. And we shook hands. (laughs) (laughs) And so we got back together and spiritually, I kept changing. He continued to struggle with addiction, but Mm -hmm. it was like he was done with an addiction and found a new one. Right. Finished with that one and found a new one. Mm Mm-hmm. So he never went back, but he kept finding new, his personality is so that way. So for still another four years, yeah. 
that was such a big part of everything. Wow. Um, and about eight years in, I, I don't know that for whatever reason, that was kind of, I was a very spiritual person. Then we started talking about more kids Yeah. and we, it wasn't working. He had a vasectomy, had it reversed failed so now we're doing in vitro and now we have our twins yeah so he will tell you his last day of anything i think it was the day they were born was his last wow tobacco use and how old are they now they're gonna be 11 in january it's amazing so he's been clean for 11 years Mm -hmm. you've been clean going on I mean, 21 years at least yeah. from all the, yeah. and then from drinking and other mm-hmm. whatever. About, it was about four years. Four years after that. After I had kids, wow. yeah. I mean, honestly, like I've been in this business a long time <laughs> and it's rare. Like, and for you guys to even make it, and, and I mean, you probably look back and go, how did we even get here? Right? Well, for real, especially because I mean, <laughs> I'm a, I'm an active member of the Church of Jesus right. Christ, and my husband is not a member of any. He's not of any faith, right? And so the fact that alone is like. I mean, that alone's amazing. Yeah. That you're making it work, but then, you know, usually true two drug addicts getting together is is it's a it's a bomb. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Yeah. But that's impressive, you know, and that. You know that you've made it to this point where you've got these four amazing kids. You're living a good life. Obviously, you two re- know each other more than any other person would know someone. Mm-hmm. You've been through thick and thin. I mean, honestly. And still, it's not over. Right. You know. Yeah, it's still. We going live in through two it. different worlds, yeah. even though we work together. Mm-hmm. It's still a lot of trials. Yeah. So. Well, if I mean that's incredible, I. You know, if someone's listening to your story right now, Emily, and they're just, they're struggling. I mean, they're going through addiction or they have a loved one's going through an addiction. What advice could you maybe give them that might help them if, as they're hearing your story today? I know that's a big question. I mean, I know there's a lot going on there, but. Yeah. Um, I was somebody that's in my shoes, like addiction or my husband's shoes, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, really what it came down to for both of us was we had to make the choice. Yeah. You know, but what helped me get there was I definitely believe my parents did not enable me. And so I really had a choice of sink or swim only. Wow, that's powerful. And where Trav was concerned, I turned him into the cops. Anytime something else would come up, I'd call the police. So you didn't enable him. I did not enable. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you stayed with him. Well, but... We threw him out till he was sober. Mm-hmm. I turned him into the police. Like, I did not enable him. Right. It really was, you know, getting to the point where I was preparing to leave him. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was that triggered with him, he made the choice. But if I ha- had enabled him, I'm sure it would still be happening yeah, today. If right. my parents had enabled me... I'm sure I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest key on the end of being the person that's the codependent. Right. Is do not enable. Yeah. No matter what. No matter what. And that's tough. Um, Props to your parents, by the way. I want to give them props. You know, they're amazing parents. I've known them for a long time. 
and I mean, they don't, addiction was all brand new to them. This is, but yeah. for them to know and have the, the wherewith of saying, we're not going to enable Emily. We have to yeah. kick her out. We and have so to quickly. lock the door. We have to take her car away. We, mm-hmm. We're not going to put up with this. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you have to sink or swim. Yeah. And a lot of parents think, oh my gosh, well, what if they go out and die? Yeah. They're going to die anyways. Yeah, exactly. So at least cut off the, the, all the stuff that they use to, you know, use excuses to keep going. And now you've put them in a position, what are you going to do now? Yeah. That's really well, cool and they that you are going to pass. They are going to die anyway. And my, my parents finally came to the reality, what's really the worst thing? Mm-hmm. Because people would say that kind of stuff and they're like, her in the next life, no longer going through this yeah. or here. And that and some people might look at that and think, oh my gosh, how cold. But it's right. not cold. Right. That's the reality of the situation. You know, and and it was the same situation with me and Andy. Mm-hmm. Let him keep hitting me and doing everything else to me. Right. Or l- be done and call his bluff, which he was not bluffing. Right. And I, by the way, I have to say, that took me seven years with everything else that I just talked about. Seven years for me to get through that, to stop blaming myself for that death. So one of the reasons Trav and I were so off, we will tell people we hated each other the first four years of our marriage. And part of my problem was I had such guilt and such anger that death was on my head. And I knew, unfortunately, his parents also blamed me. Wow. And so I had to live with that for seven years. It took me that long and so much counseling to finally get past that. And that also officially came into play when Trav and I were separated that five and a half weeks. Like I said, he had to go at that time. And I, I really learned then, even though I unfortunately relived that week every yeah. year. Right. But I, I no longer, it's not my fault. He was going to yeah. do it anyway. Right. Just like my parents had to take care of themselves and their three boys at home. Yeah. Because I was going to do what I was going to do anyway. Anyway. There, yep. there was nothing they could do. Yeah. Wow. Well, you are doing something by sharing this today, Emily, and I can't thank you enough <clears throat> it chokes me up because t- I knew you when you were this young girl, but to see you now and just, you know, how well you're doing, how you're thriving. And, and, and again, I know you, we all have our struggles still. We're still going through stuff. We all are. Mm-hmm. But to see how you're handling it and how you ha- have handled it over the past several years is pretty remarkable, actually. And I, I just want to thank you for you know, being vulnerable today. And I think that is... I mean, I know someone's going to hear this. A lot of people are going to hear this, that you're going to help just by sharing. So I think that's what we can do is just share and hope someone, you know, gets some strength from our story. You Thank know? you. Yeah. Well, if I don't know, I mean, if you're comfortable, is there, I mean, if someone wanted to ask you a question, is there an email that they could maybe, you know, reach out to you with that, yeah. that could ask you any question? Mm-hmm. Is Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, it's just um, my name. It's Emily Vasica at msn.com. We, we spell Vasica for them. <laughs> so it, it's E M I L Y, V is in Victor, A S is in Sam, I C A at msn.com. Beautiful. Yeah, can awesome. I just say, I feel please. like I need to say one, yeah, please. the game that I talked about. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't talk about it often because I don't want people to go 
do it. I usually right. keep that pretty quiet. Sure. And now it is not quiet. Yeah. So I'm going to add that is the most evil, <clears throat> sorry, evil, satanic, terrifying, evil game out there. And no yeah. one should play that game. Right. Ever. Yeah. It doesn't leave. There are evil spirits that are involved in that game. And I don't usually touch on it. I don't know yeah. why I did today, <laughs> but I just, I want to make sure everyone, I just can't stress enough how evil that thing is. And yeah. they're everywhere. They're so easy. Yeah. And it's, it's awful because it is evil. So. Yeah. No. And I, I'm glad you brought that up. <clears throat> and, and here's the thing. I'm glad you brought it up because it's your story and it's part of what you went through. But I want to share a principle along with what you just said. And I'm glad you said this. What we focus on increases. That's the law of God. It's the law of the yeah. universe. Mm -hmm. So w with that game, what you do is you focus on all the evil. Yeah. And you're right. You invite all that evil mm -hmm. into you or into the room or what have you. Right. So when we're focused on the good. Yes. That expands, that magnifies, yes, right, and that's what you're doing now. You are a light. I mean, if people could see you right now, you you glow. I mean, it's a, it's beautiful, <laughs> it's fantastic because your focus is on the good, yes, that you're good, and those things weren't your fault. And yes, you went through a trial, but look at you now. It's a beautiful thing to put up to witness. So thank, thank you, you. And, and again, thanks for bringing that up. But again, there you go, listeners. If you focus on anything, it will increase, good or bad. So I'll challenge you listeners, along with Emily's request, let's focus on the good and watch what happens. Yeah. You know, and if you have someone struggling, great advice, do not enable them. Matter of fact, if you really do love them, hold those tough boundaries. That's what's going to help them, you know, sink or swim. And they're going to have to figure that out. Mm -hmm. So anyway, thank you so much. Thank you. An amazing story. I know there's so much more to that story, but uh, I, I can't thank you enough for being willing to share. And so uh, there you go, listeners. Another amazing story by uh, an amazing person, um, Emily Vasica. Uh, very cool last name again. It's it's Czechoslovakian. Yeah. We were just talking about that, which is really cool. <clears throat> but please reach out to her if you have a question for her on her email and ask her any question. I'm sure sh she's an open book. She's not afraid to talk about her story. If you need help, she'll point you in the right direction. Um, and uh, you, know, you can also reach out to me as well as you guys already know that so there you go and again emily thank you so much thank you. okay until next time <laughs> <laughs>